Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Rosil and I'm the host of the show where I get to interview Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path to the Games. Today, we have Spencer Belsky, USA Skiing Moguls, Olympic hopeful for the 2022 Games. Spencer was a super cool interview, very laid back guy. He's a little bit on the younger side. I mean, 20, right? So that's not not too young, not too old. He's uh, kicking it. And um yeah, I mean, he started skiing two years ago, competing on a national circuit, and um, he's just been doing it ever since. He's just obviously been skiing his whole life. That's where his parents met. Pretty cute story there. But yeah, he's just a super chill dude, has a lot to say, has a lot to learn, as he as he puts it, and really is looking to uh, get the most out of his skiing career and how much he loves it. And you can really hear the passion in his voice. So please enjoy this episode with Spencer Belsky. But first, have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? You just did not know how? Well, thankfully, we have partnered with launchingpodcasts.com. With launchingpodcasts.com, you're able to start and finish uh, your podcast from ideation all the way to the fourth episode. Lucky for you, you can use promo code MIKE and get $50 off the step-by-step video course, which helps you easily create your own podcast. The reasons I wanted to start was I wanted to get brand recognition. I wanted to get my thoughts out there. I wanted to become a thought leader and I wanted to spread my brand and and build relationships. And I've been able to do that. And everything you hear has been because of this course, launchingpodcasts.com. So please remember launchingpodcasts.com promo code Mike for $50 off. And without further ado, here is Spencer Belsky. All right, today, special guest Spencer Belsky, USA Skiing Discipline Moguls, born August 27th, 1999 in Mayo Pack, New York. Started skiing around the age of two, started competing on the national circuit FIS competitions in 2016 at the age of 16 years old. Spencer, Spencer lives and trains out of Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and is a 2022 Olympic hopeful Spencer. He's hanging out with me today. I appreciate it. All right, man. Love it. Love it. Let's do it. So Spencer, tell us, um, you know, obviously we talked a little bit off air, but tell us about the beginning, getting on those skis, what it means to you pretty much doing something for literally your entire life at this point. Yeah. Skiing has pretty much been in my life, all of my life really. And everything I've done has really revolved around it. Um, my parents met skiing at Hunter mountain. So that place and just kind of holds a special place in my heart. And I skied there for 13 or 14 years, really kind of just weekend, a weekend warrior the whole time, have really all my childhood best friends there. And that's where I started competing. Both of my parents were really big mobile skiers. Never, they never really competed, but they just did it for the love of it. So mm-hmm. I really share that passion with them. And I love I, it, man. That's, that's a cute story. That is a pretty cute story. They met on the mountain and then you grew up on that mountain. Oh my goodness. That is like storybook kind of stuff right there. Yeah. That If that's yeah. not the start to like the next best skiing rom-com, I don't know what is. I really don't. I really don't, man. So tell us, I mean, growing up skiing, I mean, like, so it, it's been such a part of your life. Like what, what does it mean to you at this point? I know that's like kind of a vague, dumb question, but like, what does it mean to get to do this as like a career at this point when growing up, it was just like, Hey, I like skiing on the weekend. It's now it's, this is my entire life. This is my livelihood. What is that? Like, how does that, what does that do to you? And how do you, how do you feel it? You know, it's, that's a really good question. And the answer is, I don't know because I don't know what I'd be doing if I wasn't skiing. Mm-hmm. I think about all my friends that kind of don't ski and they seem to have a lot of free time on their hands. And I'm sure I would have found another sport or something like that because 
I just like doing stuff and I love being outside. But for me, I feel like I'm just here to ski and I love skiing first chair, the last chair, whenever I can. And really just taking it in. It just, it's where all of my friends are and most of my family is. So I love it, man. I love to do. That is awesome. Yeah. You I mean, it sounds like you hit the jackpot, brother. Uh, you know, not yeah, too many yeah. people do something they love every day. Uh, so it really does sound like you got it. So let's take a time out on you for a second. Sorry, but can you explain moguls to us? I know what it is when I watch it, but like I couldn't explain it at all. So could you give us just a nice quick rundown so the next time I'm watching it, I can say, oh, that's why they got this many points. Yeah, sure. So moguls is a judged sport and it involves three sections of moguls separated by two jumps. So in any mogul course, there's a top section, which is 10 to 15 or 16 jumps, uh, bumps, sorry. Then there's a jump, a landing pad, a longer stretch of moguls, usually 40 or 50 turns, and then a bottom air, and then moguls after that. So it's a pretty symmetrical course. Some are three lanes, some are four lanes. Um, and you're judged uh, 60% turns, 20% air, and 20% speed. So whoever can ski the cleanest, jump the best, and go the fastest is the winner. But the winner doesn't usually have the best of everything. It's usually they have some of the best turns, some of the fastest times, some of the best airs. Mm -hmm. That's not always the case, but it's usually a mix and match of mm -hmm. all that. Yeah, when it comes down to kind of like a rubric like that um, almost and understanding that one thing is just a little bit more important than the other two. It definitely makes sense. Um, so go fast and, and don't mess up. Sounds like yeah. you are usually pretty good if you could do something like that. So I love it. And it's, you're kind of judged against the other competition, right? Like judges are always going to be different, but like how, you, you like how, how are you, hmm, how do I want to ask this question? Sorry, I'm not Katie Carrick yet. I'm getting there. I promise. Like if, if speed, speed is relative to the rest of the people in the field, right? Like is the fastest a 10 or is it if you're the fastest that day, but you're super slow overall, like how does, how does that part of it work? So speed, the speed points is determined by pace time. So I forget the exact formula of it, but the pace time at every mobile course for guys is I think 10.8 meters per second, which means okay. that's how fast you're going to ski the moguls at, mm -hmm. at the World Cup level. So they take the length of the course and they do some formula with it. I forget, but they come up with a pace time. Mm -hmm. So... If you're skiing the course and you get the pace time, then you max out, you get 20 points. But cool. usually, that's possible. It's mm -hmm. never impossible. But usually people don't ski the pace time. They get close, and most people get 18 or 17 points, depending on the course. But it's all relative to the conditions on that day mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how the course is skiing. And yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. I love it. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much for that. It's always good to just learn a little bit about these sports as well, because come Olympics, I'm going to root for the red, white, and blue, no matter what. Um, it's just also nice, really being able to understand what I'm rooting for then the people I'm rooting for too. And that's why we're doing this. Right. So super cool. Um, so I guess tell us here, if you don't mind, don't, uh, stop playing around with the mic. Oh, I'm here. Sorry. You're good, man. No worries. No worries. No worries at all. Um, so tell us a little bit about, so you, you grew up, went to Hunter Mountain for a long time and then you went to Killington, correct? And went to a ski and snowboard Academy there. Yeah, that's right. So, so tell us, tell us a little about that part of your life and, and the reason you eventually did go um, and decided to actually try to pursue this a little bit more. Yeah. So when I was 13 years old, I was in eighth grade, 
there's this program called the boost at Pellance mountain school and you go for one week and you try it out. And I knew quite a few people that already went to the school. Um, there was one kid from my mountain who went to the school and kind of made it all the way. He's on the U S ski team now. So kind of, that was just the way that he went to Pellington mountain school and he made it. So it makes sense that I could too. So I did the one week boost and I fell in love with that place. Um, it's where a lot of my friends are right now. And after that week, I decided I was going. My parents said, not so fast. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. But eventually, I got them to, I goaded them into letting me go. And sophomore year, I was 15. And I started that Killington Mountain School. And I just wanted to really take my skiing to the next level. I wanted to get better. And it wasn't possible skiing at Hunter on the weekends where the terrain and skiing is variable enough as it is so if there would be some consistency and some kind of regiment at Killington a lot more compared to what it was at Hunter so at Killington I just had kind of the time of my life I dormed there because I didn't have a place in Killington and I have some really close friends there and I got a lot better at skiing too I made nationals after my second year and third year and it really just, I became a much better skier, more of an athlete. Um, and I just learned a lot about life. Uh, it was a really good opportunity for me to grow up as a person and a skier. And I got to ski most days of the week. So I couldn't really complain about that. Can't complain. Again, man, sounds like you hit the jackpot. You're doing, I can see, unfortunately, everyone else can't see you, but I can. And the, and the smile on your face, it really does light up uh, everything right. around. And, and, and I love it, man. I mean, if you can literally do something that you love every single day, you really, really did hit the jackpot. So congratulations again, man. That is, that is awesome. So tell it like how, I mean, at 15, was this, so you made nationals your second year there. So you're a 15 year old sophomore. So in 16, you're making the nationals. Like what is like, at what point did it click where you were like, okay, maybe this isn't just something that I can do because I love it. This is something that I can do and have a actual career out of this. This is something that I can do. And you know, this can be more of my life not just as i was saying before not just a weekend warrior but this is something that is every day i'm going to compete and i'm going to make money yeah i think it was definitely at that nationals my first this event just because i'd never really competed against those top guys i always watched videos of them on the internet and mm -hmm. i always idolized them but i never really got a chance to size myself next to them and at that event i had no expectations i was really nervous but I kind of just said, screw it, let's ski. That's what I'm here to do. So I just went and I skied the best I could. And I didn't do too bad. I got 23rd. And for me, that was just kind of like, it was really unexpected. I didn't have an expectation of what I was going to do. I just wanted to ski and have a good time. And from there, I was like, okay, I can compete. I can do this. So from that point on, I kind of just got to, more fuel to the fire there and i decided to really try and go after it that's awesome man. and it's worked right you're, you're here now you're still doing something so I, I love it i love it man tell us tell yeah. us about your first so that's your first internet that's your first national competition tell us a little bit about your first international competition and what it was like kind of either going to canada or going overseas and then really kind of being far from home i guess at that point sure so my first international competition was in australia Oh, okay. Yeah. Far yeah. from home. Let's do it. Let's go yeah. back an entire day. <laughs> let's, let's figure that part out. Sure. So 
after my two years at, or three years at Killington Mountain School, I took a PG year and I moved to Steamboat. So at Steamboat is a way different thing I was used to. It's kind of, it just, I really learned a lot. It really kind of had to embrace being an athlete because at Killington, it was a school too. So there's more of a social aspect mm-hmm. to it. I was there to learn, but I was also there to ski and Steamboat. Skiing really became my full-time gig. So I really, I learned a lot about nutrition and what I have to do in the gym. And I learned it was really a full-time deal, like full-time, full-day deal. And that's just what you have to do to do it. So part of Steamboat is in August, we went to Australia because the season's the way the earth is. It's winter there in our summer. So I got to compete at pretty much a World Cup level there. It, was, it wasn't a World Cup, but it's uh competition is Australian nationals so it's just an open fist event that anyone can enter and I was just I was one of three Americans in it and the best I think eight or seven of the top 10 guys in the world were competing so the Olympic gold medalist from this past Olympics um, and the bronze medalist Mikhail Kingsbury and Matt Graham those guys were in it and it was really cool to just kind of see where I was at next to them and it was a two-day competition. The first day, I didn't do so well. I messed up my round. But the second day, I got 18. And that's two spots away from finals, and I was less than half a point. And it was like, that really, it kept me hungry. I was mm-hmm. like, wow. I was so close to really hanging in there with those guys. That was so much fun. It was, it was just such a cool experience. And to ski next to them and on that course, you do it a lot at training camps. I was in Zermatt, Switzerland, or Apex, British Columbia. but there I actually got the opportunity to compete with them. So I thought that was really cool. And yeah, I was just super lucky to have that opportunity. That is awesome. And no, you're not lucky. You, you deserved it, man. You put in the work and, and you deserve to go there. So don't, don't count that one on luck. That one's on you and you did it. And I, I love it, man. That is, that is just super cool. Yeah. Getting to compete against some of these incredible athletes, uh, especially ones that you've admired and looked up to um, for as long as you have. I think that that is super cool that you then get the opportunity to, race against them and really kind of, you know, put, put your money where your mouth is for lack of a better term and just see like, okay, well, how do I stack up? And I mean, it sounds like, let you know, let hindsight's always 2020 20, and let's not dwell on the past, but it sounds like if that first one run went a little bit better, uh, there'd been an opportunity where you were in that final and potentially really would have been able to, um, you know, really, really gone up against them, which I think is super cool. So good for you, man. Congratulations on that. That's awesome. Thanks. No, of course, of course. So, um, Tell us a little about, so are you, so now you're kind of, you're, you're, I don't want to say this. You are now just officially only training for World Cups, FIS event. Like what, what are you doing now? Um, 2019, early 2019, January 14th, 2019. Like what, what does your schedule look like now? What are you doing on a daily basis? And what are you looking towards by the end of the year? Where are you going to try and be? So right now I'm just training in Steamboat. Um, I have a competition this coming weekend in Vail. But it's just kind of, um, we wake up, we go to the course, we ski for three to four hours, maybe five. It's a really good day. We go to the gym and rinse and repeat. But long term, we're training for the Noram Tour. So that is North American Cup, the Grand Prix. And that starts in Stratton, goes to Valsincombe, Quebec. There's a bit of a break for World Championships. Then it comes home to Steamboat. And then we go to Apex, British Columbia. So for the Noram Tour, if you win it, if you win the overall, you make the U.S. ski team. Um, and that's a goal of mine in the future. Hopefully I can do it this year, but 
might not be entirely realistic. Always gunning for it. Um, but another goal of mine is to make Junior Worlds. So that's the top four, 19 or under skiers go and qualify for Junior Worlds. So that's kind of one of my big goals for this coming season. That's really what I want to do. Um, and then we have Nationals in March in Waterville Valley. So hopefully I make Junior Worlds and I'll be there early April or super late March. I forget those dates. Very cool. I love it, man. Thank you for laying that out for us. That is, that is sweet. So it sounds like the NORAM tour is something. So you are in it. That, that is a lock, right? Yeah, I'm in it. Okay. Very cool. Congratulations. That's killer. And then you're just going to be able to, um, I can't see any reason why you shouldn't win it. So why not just go out, win it, man, make the USA ski team. Why not? Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's that easy, right? Better, better. better. Just say it, right? Just put it out there. Anything's possible, man. I love it. That is super cool. So one thing, obviously this is a podcast centered around Olympics and Olympic hopefuls. You're obviously an Olympic hopeful. You're doing a, as I said before, on on American circuit, Hello. On American soil, we call your sport, unfortunately, an Olympic sport. I know it's pretty huge out in Europe, but unfortunately, we really don't pay attention to it too much here. So I'm calling you an Olympic hopeful. I think it's awesome, and I think you're gunning for it. So 2022, um, it's pretty soon. I know you kind of laid out what you're trying to do for 2019. Then we got 2020, 2021, and then early you know, the year after that is is the Olympics. So what do you have to do? Is it a realistic goal of yours to make that 2022 um, Olympic team? Yeah, it's totally realistic. Um, there's certain things I definitely have to do. One of them is making the U.S. ski team so I can ski World Cups and get my World Cup starts. Uh, usually, the criteria is centered around World Cup starts and World Cup performance. So, you kind of a prerequisite to be on the U.S. Mm-hmm. ski team. And there's other ways to make it without being on the U.S. team. So there is one guy this past season, Casey Andringa, he won U.S. selections, which gets you World Cup starts, and did well in the World Cup starts enough to earn him an Olympic spot. And then they put him on the U.S. ski team because obviously he did well enough, but mm-hmm. that is certainly one way. It's not the easiest path. <laughs> uh, props to him for doing it and making sure it can be done. And Why yeah, not? Make the U.S. Ski slightly team. less traveled, and I'm sure they put him on the ski team as a formality at that point, but it sounds like the guy's good enough, so why not, right? Yeah. But yeah, so just make the US ski team, start competing well at World Cups, get podiums, win World Cups, win the Olympics, right? Oh, shoot, man. Yeah, see, when you lay it out like that, it doesn't sound that difficult. Just put that, get a whiteboard somewhere, write all that down, put some arrows, and just start crossing them off when you get there, man. Right. Not too bad. No, that's awesome, man. Thank you so much for that, Spencer. I love it. And uh, a couple more questions just to kind of, to you know, round you out a little bit more and flesh you out as a person. Um, you're much more than just a skier. Like, so with, you know, obviously you graduated from high school, uh, going to a ski and snowboard school, like what, how, obviously the focus is on skiing and snowboarding, right? We're not going to sit here and lie, but with academics on that side, like what, what is the focus there? And, and, have you tried to couple that into some sort of a college degree or is that right now on the back burner? Yeah, no. So I took one whole PG year kind of just to take a break from school. What is a PG year? Post-grad. Okay, cool. Just after graduating high yep. school. Love so, it. No school, just read a couple books. Um, it was really nice, but at the end of it, I wanted to get back to school. So the school I was admitted to, Northeastern University, actually has an online program. So right now, I'm currently chipping away at doing school, uh, my degree online. 
Right now it's information technology, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to change that hopefully to political science or something more business oriented. But yeah, I've just, I'm almost done with my first semester. And as long as I'm skiing, I'm going to do it this way. Heck yeah, man. Northeastern, that's a pretty impressive college, if I'm not mistaken. So congratulations on getting on there, man. That is, that is impressive. Thanks. No, no, thank you. You're the smart one, man. I'm just a guy asking questions into a microphone. My job's easy. Uh, dude, that is awesome. Good for you. Congratulations. Sounds like, yeah, you got, you got some stuff on your plate. But, um, I mean, it, you know, you laid out your schedule before. It sounds like you're working a lot as it is for training. Uh, but at the same time, you know, work, work sometimes has that negative connotation, especially if you're getting to ski five hours a day and it's something that you love doing. So it definitely could be worse. But taking a couple classes here and there really can't hurt every once in a while, right? So good for you, man. Congratulations on that. Um, and then another thing, just just to, uh, you know, I always like to ask this question. What is life after your sport look like? What is your post-career career? Because we know athletes, unfortunately, not everyone's Tom Brady. You can't, you know, be a, be an athlete till you're 42 and, and still be at the top of your game. Most around 30, 35, that's when you can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. So for you, Spencer, what is what is something after your career? And I'm not trying to push you out because you still got a lot of goals to accomplish within it, but it's always nice to kind of, you know, know that there, there's something on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in mogul skiing, we say we don't do it for the money. We do it for the glory. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I don't really know exactly what I want to do after it, but I definitely plan on getting a college degree, really figuring out what I want to do. I'd love to stay involved in the sport, maybe as a coach or hopefully eventually as a parent, but I love mogul skiing. And I don't really see what I'd be doing if I wasn't doing it, even just the free skiing do it, you know, free bumping. That's a big part of it too. But I don't know exactly what after. Hopefully eventually I'll go to college. I will get my degree. I'll get a master's. I don't know how I feel about a nine to five desk job. But so. mm. eh, they're not that fun. I tried them. Uh, I stopped very quickly. Thankfully yeah. I, it was not my favorite. So for some people it's what they need and that's fine for most people. I, uh, soul crushing is a word that my brother used. Um, I, I like to use that one as well. So good stuff, man. And then one last question, I forgot to ask it before the, the, the mogul skiing community, the skiing community, it seems like you've been a part of a few different ones, Hunter mountain, Killington out in steamboat. What does it mean to you to be a part of such like a, a tight knit group? Because you're all trying to do something. And as you said, you all understand, you're not really trying to do, you're not doing it to make a lot of money, right? You're doing it because you love it. So what does it mean to you? And I know, Again, you know, before you said you don't know anything different, but, you know, what, what is it like? You know, you're old enough now that I think you, you can inference a little bit. Like, what is it like being a part of such a tight-knit community with everyone really just trying to grow the sport, understanding, like, we're not doing it for us. We're kind of doing it for the next generation when it comes to the, the monetary aspect of it. Yeah, I think it's really special. Um, and I think I'm lucky to be a part of Hunter and Killington and Steamboat just to kind of have three really nice circles there. and. I think something about mogul skiing, which makes it so special is that it's small. We don't do it because we know we're going to get rich. We do it because we love it. And hopefully someone can get rich doing it someday. I'll cross my fingers for them. Don't worry. I yeah. won't hold it back. But I, it's just the people you meet through mogul skiing are the people that I want to be with for the rest of my life. Just my friends, my family. And it just, it's a really special thing. And I think it's nothing not many of us talk about it a lot, but I think it's something we all understand and accept that we're all really good friends and we're really good competitors too, but it's just, it's really, it's really close and it's really cool. 
I'm lucky mm-hmm. to be a part of it. That is awesome, man. Yeah, not everyone, um, not everyone gets that opportunity. And again, you're not lucky. You deserve it. You worked for it, and you and you got there, and you put the time in. So don't worry. Uh, you know, I'm just not a fan of that word. No worries, because you deserve it. You put the work in. So good stuff, brother. I mean, I love it. It's congratulations on everything you've been able to do so far. I mean, it seems like you've been doing some incredible things. You got some huge goals for 2019. Um, you got some huge goals coming up for the, you know, I don't want to say the rest of your life, but at least the foreseeable future. Um, and Spencer, I promise you, we are crossing our fingers for you. So Spencer Belsky, USA skiing moguls, Olympic hopeful 2022. Why not? Gold medalist, shoot. Why not? <laughs> Put it out there, see what happens, right, man? So thank you, Spencer, so much. Sincerely appreciate your time today, brother. Thank you, too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Spencer Belsky. As I said, super cool dude, really nice, very genuinely just good human being. Really glad I had the opportunity to speak with him. I'm really excited to follow him moving forward and hearing and and seeing and all the things that he's going to do out on the national and international circuit. I feel like he's got a a lot ahead of him and I'm excited to, and I'm sure you are as well, to listen and and, uh, watch him do that. So thank you so much to Spencer. Sincerely appreciate that. If you could please rate, review, subscribe, share, give us five stars, give us one star. I don't care. Give us any amount of stars. I just want to get some feedback and hear ways that I can make this better because I think our Olympic athletes and hopefuls have some of the most amazing stories. They don't get nearly enough recognition. So this is my little way of giving back. And also thank you again to our sponsor, launchingpodcasts.com, easy step-by-step video course to help you launch your podcast. Go to launchingpodcasts.com, use promo code Mike for $50 off at checkout. Uh, Yeah, please check us out also um, at ourathletes.us on Instagram, ourathletesusa on Twitter. Check out the website, www.ourathletes.us. We're updating that, making it look a little bit prettier, but it has some information on there in case you guys are curious what we're doing on the business side. So thank you so much. Sincerely appreciate your time. And I hope you have a wonderful day.